Welcome back to another edition of Covered in Glory. And Brett, before we get to match week four, I've got a quick question for you, buddy. First of all, how are you? That's my first question. I'm doing good, man. You know, podcasting with my guy. What's better than this? Well, I don't know. We got meatball. Know. We got meatballs behind the glass. I'm here with Toby. We're going to conveniently forget how terrible I was last week and uh, just try to move forward. Yeah, you were horrible. West Ham was horrible. Chelsea was horrible. Not our finest week, huh? Not good at all. But we're going to make so many excuses that we're going to look great by the end of this. <laughs> All right, well, before we dive into uh, this week's games, and I do want to talk slightly about last week's, before we dive into this week's game, in honor of today's Champions League draw, which extra points personality personality would you least like to draw for a head-to-head debate? To give you time to think about it, I'll go first. For me, it's clearly the parlay kid, just because there's no win there whatsoever. He would probably destroy me with his old man's strength and wisdom. If he didn't, he has a whole squad of giant human beings for sons waiting to beat my ass for embarrassing their dad. You do not <laughs> want to come out to the extra points parking lot and find meatballs and his bros waiting for you. It is a literal group of death. Uh, man, I don't know if we're factoring in that deep. I really am like kind of terrified. Like I didn't, I didn't really know family members are going to get involved and like take you out of the parking lot after the debate. Um, I don't know, man. I feel like Hench should be pretty formidable. I mean, I mean, Dave, Dave, I think would just be relentless. Oh God. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like dudes that I really wouldn't want to go toe to toe with here. So I'm definitely, yeah, I, mean, I am definitely giving away that I am not the alpha in the room. Like Rory McIlroy <laughs> did during the Tiger Woods meeting. But uh, yeah, dude, there's a couple of guys. I mean, I, I, I think everybody here is pretty much a formidable full. I mean, Harry, Harry even would probably say such wild shit. It would just like, Get me caught off guard. I wouldn't know what to do, you know? Yeah. Hence is clearly in pot A. Damashek, like, he would never just let you talk. So the, for the question <laughs> would come I mean, out. He's he relentless. Would, like, he'd just keep going, you know? He'd he'd filibuster until the time ran out. So that one's not so bad. That's more of a pot D guy for me. Uh, all right. So last week was so awesome. I'm not sure this week's going to live up to it. City, Newcastle, Liverpool, United were the clear highlights. Both games remind me of why we love soccer so much. Um, the Chelsea game, not so much. I wish I turned it off after the commentators a few minutes in talked about the recent sideline scraps by both Tuchel and Jesse March. Uh, had they gotten into in the first couple of weeks and they concluded by saying both managers love a ding dong while my inner eight year old roared with laughter. <laughs> so it's, it was all downhill after that. Uh, any game would have been after that gem. Uh, just like them. I also love a ding dong. So I say we get into this week and see if we can find one in match week four. What do you say? Let's do it, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to redeem myself. I'm feeling good. Uh, so our first potential ding dong of the week is Southampton 11th at four points versus Manchester United 14th at three points. This game is Saturday at seven 30 Eastern. It's the early game. There is no clear match of the week involving top six teams. So we're just going to go in chronological order. Uh, Manchester United is minus 135. Southampton is plus 340. The draw is plus 310. Manchester United minus half a goal, stays at minus 135. Southampton to get a point goes all the way up to plus 105. And if you're interested, if you listened to our show last week where we talked about the value in taking big six teams who have win by multiple goals, uh, Manchester United minus a goal and a half is plus 185. All right. Okay, Brett. Um, let's get to the big question coming out of last week. 
we positive, positively and gleefully trashed Manchester United each of the last two shows. So, of course, they come out and beat Liverpool despite a massive protest of the team by their own fans leading <laughs> off the kickoff. Um, did you see anything in that two hours that would give Red Devil fans hope, or is that just football being fluky? Uh, I mean, you know, it's like everything in life, man. It's complicated. Um, I think, I think, you know, we, we were right on with, with Ten Hag and, and the way that he came out with Christian Erickson in particular. And the thing that I, I really liked about this match, and, and it's just something I'm proponent of in like any sports, and maybe you can weigh in on this as well, but I think you always play your best players in their best positions and just make the other guys kind of deal with trying to maybe do something they're not as comfortable with around them. Um, and so the Bruno Fernandez, uh, Christian Erickson as eights was, I thought the best starting 11 that he's come up with. And yeah, like Scott McTominay, you don't want him as your six. Like he has, I mean, as you point out gleefully, as you put it on this show, almost every week, like the dude has limitations. He, he's not going to be like a standalone six. He's not Casemiro who's coming in. Um, but I did like the fact that they basically kind of sort of played the right formation which is that four, three, three with those two as eights. I think that's the best place for them. He didn't mitigate their, like probably his two best players talents just to try to make the team work better as a whole. Um, and they look good. Like, I mean, Erickson and, and Bruno, you know, some of their passes didn't come off. Erickson kind of faded as the match went on, but like, I thought generally they were good. It looked like more structure. They looked like they had a plan. The counterattacks came off that front three was, you know, probably the best front three that they could roll out at this point. Um, you know, so I, I think there's some good stuff with United. They're still pretty flawed, although a Marcus Rashford resurgence would do a lot for them. Um, but a lot of it's also going to be reflective of like Liverpool playing at Old Trafford with a, a very emotional game behind them, um, you know, with the, the protests and just the fact that they've just looked like dog shit the first two weeks. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's a mix of a lot of things. And we'll get into Liverpool's issues, but that definitely was part of it. And also the match was a little bit flattering towards United. Like, it, the Liverpool's expected threats was way higher. So expected threat would be more like they um, like the point where they were getting to before they actually created the shot. Um, they were living in United's territory. They were putting balls in dangerous places. Guys just weren't getting on the end of them. So I'm not, like, totally backing off of last week. Um, but I do like their manager is actually kind of at this point now where he's like, here are my best players. I'm going to put them in their best spots and I'll just figure out the rest around. Yeah. I mean, we see that a lot in basketball, right? Like you get a guy who likes to post up on the low block and then you try to pair him with a guy who's a slasher and there's so much congestion at the rim that the slasher can't operate. And then the guy on the block is asked to step out to the three point line. He can't shoot. And everybody's like, well, why did it work? And it's pretty clear because if your two best players can't play well together, then, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta separate them out and make moves and trades whether they demand it or not. So I think there are analogies in other sports and, uh, I think they did start to figure it out. So for like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if I saw anything that would give me hope. I think Brett, for me, it's more about what we didn't see. And that's Harry Maguire and Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I know you love shooting on Harry Maguire. Um, and he'll make it, he'll make a great blue for you. Cause that's, that's a thing now, apparently with Chelsea. Um, but yeah, um, I've got some thoughts later in the show. I, I don't think, I think, you know, Casemiro is going to come in and he'll, you know, he's not this all world midfielder that's going to fix all their problems, but it'll make things better. I, I think that'll make 
Maguire's issues stand out a little bit less, all those kind of things. But Ronaldo was the big one. And that, that to me, and I mentioned it before, Rashford has kind of come alive after a couple of years in the wilderness after his big breakout season. And swapping in someone that does a lot of everything for Ronaldo, who does a lot of one thing, which is just shoot at the goal at this point, that's huge to me. And it was, it was, you know, I hate saying this. Please don't get mad at me. It was enjoyable to watch a fluid front three rather than Ronaldo just do his own shit. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly how I felt, right? Like the Varane Martinez pairing looked much better to me against a much better opponent than they faced in the first three weeks. And Alanga, um, I'm sorry, Alanga, Rashford, and Sancho all looked much more lively given the ability to express themselves rather than just having to be forced to cater to CR7. Mm-hmm. If Ten Hag. If Ten Hag has the steel to keep the team captain and one of soccer's all-time legends on the bench, I actually like their chances to get better results, particularly if Casemiro could come and bring a little of his own steel to their midfield. Um, but I'm going to need to see it to believe it. Like, is he really going to keep the captain on the bench? Is he really going to let CR7 like throw his hissy fits and not give in to them? Because if CR7 is actually benched in order to give this the fluidity, as you mentioned, to the front three, like he's going to be a mixture of like Kevin Durant and a Kardashian if he doesn't get what he wants. Like it's going to it's going to be a nightmare a to deal level, with. That's a high level of diva right there. Yeah. So, I mean, for like for this week, Southampton looked horrible against Spurs. They managed a 2-2 tie against Leeds before defeating Leicester. I mean, they only have one guy on their team I rate at all at present. It's Ward Prowse. I think they're still a relegation contender. And somehow they have the same number of points than Chelsea and twice as many as Liverpool. So, bloody hell. Like, what a freaking year we're already dealing with. Um, I think it's pretty clear. I hate both of these teams. Like I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty on the record on this point. I mean, be honest, if, Toby. Be the exact right amount of honest. <laughs> if, if McGuire and Ronaldo don't play, like I'm actually with you, I won't get mad at you. Like I am a footy fan. I want to see fluid play in the in the attacking zone. I want to see you know Manchester United actually be competent and rise up. Like. As somebody who likes to tell jokes about them, I hope they burn in hell forever. But as somebody who has to watch them every week, I actually want to enjoy that 90 minutes and not want to you know, light myself on fire. Mm-hmm. So um, even though I hate both of them, I, I'm just hunting for a number that has value. I'm not ready to, declare, ready to declare United back far enough to take them to win by multiple goals. But the return fixture could be minus 260 for Manchester United if they actually get their crap together pretty easily. So I'm going to take them to get just the three points at minus 135. Yeah, I mean, that's it's not a bad bet. Um, Southampton is, you know, you mentioned James Ward-Prowse is the one player that you rate. I'm still not sure James Ward-Prowse does anything when the ball is actually rolling around live on the pitch. I think his value solely comes when it's, it's a dead ball situation. You know, corner kicks, free kicks, penalties, things like that. Um, and, and just their transfers have been bad. Um, you know, like they, they brought in Joe Rebo from, from Rangers, the Scottish division and Rebo isn't not like some young, like prospect that's on his way up. The dude's 26 and in the Scottish league, and let me repeat this in the Scottish league, he scored eight goals in almost 2,700 minutes last year in the Scottish league, you know, and that was like their guy. And, and what they really need is they, they have Sekou Mara, who I think came from Bordeaux. He is kind of like, the, the type of player I envisioned Southampton's transfer strategy going after like a young teenage guy that like 
just has a little bit of game time enough where maybe you see something in him that you roll the dice on a transfer fee and hope he blows up. You know, Mara has been good, but like Shea Adams is bomb. Adam Armstrong is bomb. Arebo, I have zero faith that he's going to come to the Premier League and then do better than he did in the Scottish League. Um, so, you know, they're just not, they're not good. I think, you know, and we'll get into this when the transfer window closes. Uh, every week I watch Southampton, I'm more convinced this team is going to, to need some luck and to fight and scratch and claw to avoid relegation this year. They're just not yeah. good. Um, and United, even when we were shitting on them, we kind of mentioned, or maybe I think we did in my own head, maybe I said this, you know, their floor was still going to be in the top 10, even as much of a dumpster fire as that team can be. Um, they were never like going to fall way down to like where Everton did last year. Like those are still two different levels. So once again, I'm going to go the same as you at the first game. I'm going to take just the half goal spread, just having them win against Southampton. I don't want to trust United to do anything. It is a very yeah. nerve wracking process to do that. But the one thing I am going to kind of lean in on is Marcus Rashford. I, I, it was a kind of chalked up and I don't know. I mean, maybe you, I want to get your perspective on this too. He definitely did seem like a rundown player. He had those injuries, things he has been really lively and they played him through the middle, which is always like when you're making prop bets, like a guy on the wing versus a guy playing centrally, that's like almost a full shot difference sometimes. Um, so yeah. he's plus 110 to just get off four shots. He had five last week against Liverpool. He's pretty much went the whole 90 in every single match. I, I love that bet. And I really am kind of here for this market, Marcus Radford resurgence. And, and mostly because of the shit he does off the pitch, which is incredible. Um, but also because I think it makes United a little bit more interesting. And as much as they're interesting, like when they're a dumpster fire, I do kind of like the way this year is shaping up. If we have one more team that's competent in the mix. Yeah. Well, he, he benefits more than anybody else from CR seven, not being on the field. I agree um, with that. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So if, if that's going to continue to be their lineups, then I think we might have a j- decent chance at having a resurgence. If he's going to continue to have to play second fiddle or second striker to Ronaldo and worry about Ronaldo hip checking him off the ball, even though he's when he's one-on-one versus the keeper. <laughs> so Ronaldo can get more stats as, as he found himself last week. Like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm here for it. And you're right. He is, he does do uh, excellent work off the pitch. So, Uh, All right, for me, I'm taking under 2.5 goals at plus 140 in this match. I thought the number was going to be closer to even, so I just love the value of the plus 140. I think you're getting five of the six most likely score lines of this game. 0-0, 1-1, 1-0 both ways, and 2-0 Manchester. The only one you're missing is 2-1 Manchester in in my list of the top six. So getting a plus number and five of the six most likely score lines I think is excellent value. Uh, It's early. I expect it to be ugly. I think it's going to be low scoring and I just hope while they're playing, I'm still asleep dreaming of St. Maximum runs and KDB slide passes <laughs> over whatever the hell is going to take place on this pit. So what happens though, Toby, when Harry Maguire's in the starting 11 to that bet? Uh, well, let's you just, see here. Do you Harry take Mag- out a mortgage on your, like a second mortgage on your house and then bet the opposite <laughs> way or what? How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know exactly how Harry would uh, affect the odds, but I am hopeful that he is not in London shopping for houses during this game more than anything else. That's all I'm wishing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the one bet you want to make. It's not whether or not he comes to Chelsea. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, speak of the devil and they shall appear. Chelsea, 12th, four points versus Leicester. 19th at one point. 
Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern. Chelsea is minus 240. Leicester is plus 650. The draw is plus 950. Chelsea minus a goal and a half is plus 110. Leicester, to keep it respectable, is minus 150. Chelsea minus two and a half is plus 295 if you're really fading Leicester as hard as a lot of people are. And speaking of which, I mean, Brett, like, what the hell is going on with Leicester? This is a team most expected to solidly be in the top half of the table, but they have been absolutely dreadful thus far this year. Do you expect them to snap back into form, or are we looking at this year's Everton? Oh, man. Well, I think that question is going to be, who do they bring in when Brandon Rogers finally gets shown the door, right? You know, that'll probably play a big role in where they wind up ultimately. Um, but man, I, I think it's two things. Um, I, if I, if I had to boil it down, I would say it to very simple terms. I think so far it's two things this year. One Ricardo Pereira before his injuries, that dude was a very high caliber fullback that did a little bit of everything. And they have devoted a ton of minutes to, to Castagna and, uh, Justin James. And, you know, those two have things that they do. Okay. Uh, Castagna's thing is more kind of like, he's almost like a utility player in baseball. Like the kind of guy that you love on your team, that because he can play 80 or 85 games a year at like six different spots, you know, and rest guys. He's not a dude that I, I don't think you want as an everyday right back. You know, he doesn't do enough. He's not good enough defensively. He's not good enough going forward. Um, he's not good enough getting into the box as a wing back. Like he's not a uh, Doherty from, from Spurs. So like, when you lose a guy like Pereira and you and I talked about this last year too, the importance of really good fullbacks in the premier league and Pereira just hasn't been available. And we don't even know what he's going to look like after this run of injuries, even coming back. And so they're just kind of very downgraded at that, that fullback position and just across the back line in general. Um, the other thing is Jamie Vardy, like his game, we've always kind of thought this, right? Most soccer fans that have watched him, like he's a speed demon and he's almost, you know, he's closer to 40 than he is to 30 at this point. Like he's going to fall off a cliff and he was still a huge part of their attack. Like, yes, they have Madison. Yes. They have Barnes, you know, yes. Yuri Tillman's at least for right now is still in their midfield, but like, do you have any faith really in somebody to consistently put the ball in the back of the net? If Hardy's wheels fall off. I mean, no, I don't No, no, no. So, uh, no. you know, I think that's part of it. And then the final thing is, you know, cash from Spiko left, you know, premier league favorite, you know, great member of the team that won the title, the miraculous run and Danny Ward has been his replacement. So we talked about this a little bit last year and, and you'll probably have fun with this one. So we talked about post shot XG. So basically what that is, is the value of a shot where it ends up on the goal frame. So the total number of shots that Danny Ward has faced have told up to about five XG on the goal frame. He's allowed eight goals. So he is not doing very well. <laughs> he is the opposite of what Jose saw was last year for wolves. Um, so yeah. not a great thing. You know, Schmeichel wasn't a great shot stopper at the end of his run here at Leicester. So it's not like, you know, Oh my God, catch for Schmeichel. We shouldn't have let him go kind of thing. But Danny Ward sucking could be a huge problem. <laughs> um, like if he's just not saving shots that most average goalkeepers do, this Leicester team isn't good enough to overcome that. Yeah. So you think they're, they're in the bottom half this year. They're not going to recover to the rate where people thought. I mean, when your team is your team going to poach Fafana for like the GDP of a small country or what? Well, (laughs) well, funny you should mention it. So I'll take the other side of the pitch. Uh, Chelsea made Leeds look like PSG last week. 
So perhaps this is the team Lester's going to bounce back against. Um, Ooh, you're, wait, I guess I, is this like a reverse psychology thing where you're going to like talk shit about Chelsea? Did I ruin it now by bringing it up? No, no. Look, all, all of the excitement at Chelsea right now is off the pitch, which is fine in July, but it's not fine in August. Uh, on one hand, I wish the transfer window was already over before they could spend $60 million on a player that when judged by a neutral would be Chelsea's fifth or sixth best option just at his position. Uh, the Gordon transfer saga from your boys at Everton is so <laughs> freaking insane just- as you as you have both parties acting absolutely irrationally, yet somehow the deal is still going to happen. Like Everton is truly nuts. They received a $50 million bid on a guy worth at max 20. And their response was not good enough. You have to throw in a guy who is better than the one we are selling you. Uh, It's like, so it's like, I play fantasy football. I'm sure a lot of listeners play fantasy football. It's like, okay, we're in a fantasy league together. And I'm like, all right, I I text my friend and I say, hey, I've got a spare uh, RB3. You have a spare wide receiver three. Why don't we just swap them? Their response is, I'll give you that guy if you give me your five best players. And that actually happens in fantasy leagues like all the time. And the way to deal with it is you send his offer out to all of your mutual friends, to all of your league mates, you embarrass him and you call him a dick. Instead, instead, Chelsea's reaction seems to be, well, what if we only gave you four? Well, you know what? I think ironically, that number four is the number of Premier League goals Gordon has, and three of them are off deflections. So I just want to point that out. It's so fucking crazy. (laughs) This has been a wild. This is this is the thing. This has been a fucking wild transfer window. Just absolutely bonkers with the money and the players and fully doing whatever he's been doing for your club. This still takes the cake. I think this is the craziest transfer saga of the summer. I don't know if we need to like have a different pod where we rank a top five, but to me, this is number one for sure. Like I don't think anything compared. I hope it takes the cake because like after (laughs) this, they're they're about to sign Obama Yang and they even had Harry freaking McGuire linked to them. Two guys I have blasted on this show and I want the window to end before I wake up and find Deli Alley sleeping on my fucking couch. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Don't worry. He's going to be in Istanbul. You're safe there. We- <laughs> oh. uh, on the other hand, they managed to get Lester's best player removed from this game by spending three weeks trying to buy him to the point where he is staging like a protest sit out. <laughs> so in that case, like let the window go on forever and let's just do this to every team. Let's just take every team's best player, try to turn their head for a hundred million dollars and have it's them like sit out. Psychological when they play warfare us. in the premier league. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I, look, I'm sorry. I realize I'm just venting now. Um, in this particular game, all the Chelsea numbers are nasty. And until until Kova comes back to create more positive action in the center of the pitch, I'm not willing to pay the high juice that they're asking for at Chelsea. Like after watching them against Leeds last week, are you telling me that one out of five times this game doesn't end in a draw? One out of five, and I'm getting twice the value of that. Give it to me at a crazy plus nine fifty for the draw this week. Yeah, I mean that it's not a bad bet. Uh, believe me, I had to do a lot of mental gymnastics to get to where I am, uh, which is actually. Taking your boys to bounce back. And, and here's why. I'm gonna, this is going to be like a Toby like pump-up hour here for your team. I, I think one thing was 
Leeds, well, there's a couple of things going on with Leeds. One, Jesse Marsh has been compared to Bielsa in terms of the stylistic thing where Leeds are going to be the same wide open team. They are not. You watch that game. That press is not a man marking middle of the pitch is wide open when, when Chelsea break it. They're basically in on goal type of press. They were really hard to beat getting the ball out of Chelsea's final third. And obviously that was capped with Mendy's brutal mistake of just basically giving the ball to Arison at the goal line. But I think part of what Tuchel realized is that Connor Gallagher has a lot of interesting things in a midfielder. When you are facing a team that is pressing the shit out of you, he is not a guy you want in a double pivot because he, the one thing he does not do is help you move the ball up the pitch. He is great when that ball is up the pitch and getting into the box as that guy that yeah. crashes that box and gets the shot off. So the switch to the four, three, three at half kind of let me know that Tuchel realizes like, Oh shit. When we are going to face these teams, they're going to put on a high press with some of these midfielders out. We cannot do this back three thing with Gallagher as part of a double pivot. So I'm banking on Tuchel being the good manager that he is and kind of figuring that part of it out. And the other thing is Leicester are nothing like a Jesse Marsh's leads team. Chelsea is not going to have the same problems moving the ball pitch against Leicester. They're not going to press like that. They don't really have the type of personnel that presses like that. That is not Rogers's MO. So I'm actually going to take the spread at minus one and a half at plus one ten because I have zero faith in Leicester who have created nothing all season long. And I just think that Chelsea are going to figure some shit out. There's still a lot of talent over there. Reese James is insane with the shot creation. I thought Sterling hasn't put up the goals and assist yet, but like he's been really good. He's done a lot of really good things. He's also my prop bet at plus 225 for an assist this week. Um, so I think Chelsea is probably not as bad as they looked against Leeds. I think it was like a perfect culmination of things to kind of hit all at once. Um, but I do think that there are some things you have to worry about. I just don't think Leicester is the team that make you want to worry about them. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to get through this game, get on to something I'm happier to talk about right now. So Leicester, <laughs> Chelsea, uh, my prop bet, both teams to score minus 115. Lester doesn't give any reason whatsoever to think they could keep Chelsea entirely off the score sheet with their performances so far this year. So I like Chelsea to get at least one, most likely through Sterling. I think he's going to open his account this week. Uh, on the other side, Mendy could just kick it in the damn net himself and skip the middleman this time. Um, they're, Be careful they're what you missing- wish for, Toby. You're putting things out in the universe, and they are coming back to you in ways that you do not like. It would not surprise me. Uh, and critically, they're missing Koulibaly this week because of the red card last week. So he's suspended. Uh, that might end up with Reese uh, James as a right center back. I don't know. It means that Silva's going to be playing his fourth consecutive game. He's had to play basically every damn minute thus far. Jorginho is just not good enough as a DM to count on to clean things up anymore. So I think more often than not, Lester ends up with one here and I win my bet. Not a bad play, man. I mean, I'm I'm weirdly the Chelsea optimist of the group right now, and I, it's a weird shoe to be wearing. Well, after we're two hundred million dollars poorer, and we have Gordon, Obama, Yang, and McGuire <laughs> to show for it, well, you're really going to hear me uh, hear the optimism be let out. Of just me. be just be uh, therapy sessions all the time. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, team that doesn't really need therapy: Manchester City, second at seven points versus Crystal Palace, ninth at four points. 
This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. Also, this is a very busy 10 a.m. window. It's a great week for goal zone. Uh, Manchester City is minus 550. Crystal Palace is plus 1600. The draw is plus 650. Manchester City minus a goal and a half is minus 195. Crystal Palace is plus 140. Manchester City minus two and a half goals. If you're really going after it, gets you into a plus number at plus 130. Uh, so that City Newcastle game was so much freaking fun to watch. Like I already talked about Maximin and KDB in a joke earlier, but like let's talk about them for real for a second. When was the last time you saw Jacques and Cello get run ragged like that? St. Maximin just took him to task, and he's one of the best fullbacks of the world. That first half, he was unbelievable. And also, what was the last time we saw anything close to the beautiful balls that come from De Bruyne to both Holland and Silva that weren't other KDB passes in other previous games? I mean, like, maybe Seth Fabregas. Like, otherwise, I'm, I'm going way back in my Premier League memory to think of anybody who's doing what KDB's doing. He is a goddamn artist. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, the, the one thing I will say, though, is it uh, the it's <laughs> it's one of those things when you watch like a great player and you know what he is and you know what he does. And at the same time, when he does those things, you're still like, holy shit. Like when you said artists, like that's, that's what I think of. Like he, we know what KDB is. We, this is not a surprise. He's not coming over from La Liga. Like it's nuts. This dude still does stuff that amazes us. That was the thing that really, you know, obviously we're going to talk about Kyle Walker and Cancelo and say Maxima and all that kind of stuff. But like, KDB doing the things that he does, and it's still amazing to watch. It still drops your jaw when he does it. I, I love it. This is why I don't get when people can't give the sport a chance. That shit's amazing to watch. I, it's it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, and he's he's an extraordinarily interesting player because some of the advanced stats just aren't that kind to him as you would think they would be. But like that's where like I kind of give you grief from time to time to put the spreadsheets down and like just soak in the beauty of the game. Not that you don't. I mean, they're like, permanent. Really, they're permanently my wallpaper, so I can't. I can't remove them. Now. <laughs> so. hey, you don't want to see the blood stains underneath those. Uh, <laughs> but Good yeah, Lord, like, what do you think I'm doing over they, here? <laughs> just be happy I didn't mention the semen. Uh, so <laughs> just watching the game itself, like I don't care what the advanced stats say. Like that, those passes that he played to Silva and Holland to like get those goals is like, I'm dying. I am dying every single weekend to see somebody on Chelsea like forget complete that pass, even attempt that pass. Like we we're not seeing any sort of creativity in the midfield for what's supposed to be one of the biggest clubs in the world. And he provides it week in week out. And he is not, he's not unique and like solo. And like there's nobody been anybody before him, but we're lucky to get him, watch him unlock people each week in the way that we do. Uh, so look last week, um, they obviously dropped points, but I felt that game was more of a reflection of how far Newcastle have come versus how far City have fallen from the weeks before that. Like, I am continuously impressed with Newcastle. Obviously, their owners are horrific. Honestly, obviously, the sport washing is in place, but it's going to be a big seven. It's, it is going to be a big seven. It's a matter of time before we are considering them on par with the six teams that we largely consider ahead of them. Um, I know city cost us big time last week, but look, I'm, I'm picking them to get back on the route train here since palace held both Arsenal and Liverpool to a combined three goals. I'm going to give them a tiny amount of respect to say they won't be completely run off the pitch, but I'm still taking city at minus a goal and a half 
at minus 195, which is wildly better value than the money line at minus 550. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be at odds here. Um, I, I'm i really bullish on this Palace team. Um, I, I, you know, it's weird. I didn't really think too highly of Vieira when he came over. But uh, not only does last year's success against City, where they actually, City dropped points in both matches against Palace last year. Um, I, I just think that watching them against Newcastle, they looked old and slow. And it wasn't so much Cancelo having trouble defensively. It was Kyle Walker not stopping those counters. The ball would get the same maximum, and then usually, then it just dies. But he would just run circles around Walker, play those balls into the box, and it was trouble for City all game long. Laporte has been out already. Uh, Nathan Aki went off with an injury in this match. Like, they have issues there. And Gunduan and De Bruyne, as good as they are when the ball's in uh, the opponent's final third, they are not so good when it's in the other final third and they're getting older. Um, so there, there might be some chinks in the armor we're seeing with City. And you know who's the guy that plays exactly like Al St. Maxwell? Wilfred Zaha. And he's yeah. going to have the same spaces and the same territory to cover. So I hate picking underdogs unless I think there's some win equity. There might be a little win equity for Crystal Palace. Oh, come on. Go all the way. Go all the I'm way. I'm not Palace taking them all the way. Do it. Do plus it. Plus 1.5 at plus 140 is a good number for a game that I think there's a small percentage of chance that they do nick a goal, hang on and win. And I think the draw is very heavily on the table. We saw it twice last year. I just think this Palace team is good. You talk about it. There's a top seven with Newcastle. Crystal Palace is going to be knocking on the door of European competition this year if most everybody stays healthy for them. Um, and I, I think with that in mind, both teams to score is sitting at plus 110 after watching that up and down track meeting against Newcastle when Palace has the same type of athleticism and attacking oomph and counter when they counter. Can you really say that there's no way they don't they can't score a goal against City? I like those numbers. I, I I may not use them in the five pint, but I actually really like those bets. Uh, I think you should take Palace straight up in the five pint. You need something to catch me. You might as well go for it. Uh, all right. I'm taking a new way to shorten city odds. We talked a lot last week about taking um, more than one goal victories as a way to get much better value. I'm looking at a different way to do it this week. I'm taking the money line up to the 30th minute which is Manchester City minus 105. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's just another way to shorten the odds, right? They have been jumping on teams early. They have been creating quality opportunities virtually straight from the kickoff. So I'm able to get minus 105 for them to lead after 30 minutes versus having to pay minus 550 for them to lead at the end of the game. So it really just seems like an excellent number to me and another way to you know, take the juggernaut without paying full freight. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a smart play. And the one thing about City taking City bets like that is you know the one kind of constant is that they will always control possession and need the ball to score. So it's not like those games where sometimes like randomly another team puts their foot on the other team's neck early because they're all juiced up and pressing. Like City's going to control the game. So you're always at least know that they're going to have a lion's share of possession to try to get the ball back in the net. You need the ball to score. That could be your MIT class that comes right after my basic math there presentation. Go, on MIT is going way fucking downhill. <laughs> Very quick. <laughs> Not what it All used right. to be. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll hustle through the final three games of the week.
All right, folks, we are back and we are heading to Liverpool. A shocking 16th at just two points versus Bournemouth, 15th at three points. Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Liverpool minus 900, Bournemouth plus 2200. The draw is plus 950. Pool minus a massive two and a half goals is still a minus number at minus 125. Bournemouth is minus 110. Uh, we're running long here, so I, I could probably do my analysis here in like four words, like I'm Frankenstein. Bournemouth, bad. Liverpool, good. <laughs> um, I'll give you a tiny bit more. Liverpool desperately missed Thiago and are in danger of uh, against any half-capable club until he comes back just because they seem to be getting run over in midfield without him, which is a very un-Liverpool-like set of results. Uh, Luckily, Bournemouth is not half-capable. I'm not even sure they're a quarter-capable. When the commentator last week was asked what he thought of Bournemouth's starting lineup, his response was, I think it lacks quality. That basically (laughs) makes that dude... That that makes... That makes that dude Richard Pryor among British broadcasters. It is a sick bird across the pond. Uh, I expect Liverpool to take out frustrations on Bournemouth, who already lost by three to Arsenal and four to City. I don't love the number given their current form, but I can't look at the board and pick any other bet besides pool minus two and a half and minus 125 because that's the only place you're getting even halfway decent juice. I'm getting more risk averse in my old age, apparently, because I'm actually dropping down to minus one and a half at minus three thirty. Um, I, I long story short, since we're doing this in Frankenstein terms, Liverpool is clearly going to be okay. They're they're okay. They're just hurt. They're okay. Um, Bournemouth is bad. I, I I don't really have any other explanation other than that. I, I think they will probably be one of the bottom two teams in the league. Um, but the one thing that does worry me a little, is just the presence of James Milner is very ever present right now for Liverpool. And he should not be, um, I, I think he's done some good did, stuff, but part of the, did openness, you, uh, did you see Milner dressing down Van Dyke? Like who does James Milner think he is? Like that was insane. Like after that. one of the goals, Milner like charged Van Dyke. and was screaming at him. Oh man. Wow. Yeah. I must've completely spaced on that when I saw the goal, but I mean, I do kind of get it like that. There's been a lot of memes on the internet about the chain Sancho goal, the defending there. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that, you know, the leadership XG joke that is made about some of those guys, but when Hendo and Milner are in a midfield, like that's bad. Um, and, and it definitely is going to change the way the Liverpool play. Um, so I'm not as bullish on them to completely control a game anymore, which makes me think those three, four goal margins are going to be more luck than they are going to be something that are kind of predetermined. Um, so I'm going to take them a little bit adjusted there. Worst price, but I feel a lot safer with it. Uh, the one thing I feel really good about though, is city had 11 corners on their own against Bournemouth. Liverpool's over is only 8.5 and you're getting plus 105 for 8.5 corners. Oh, Given I'm so their proud attacking, of you. I know. I'm so proud is, of you right now. Great. The fact that I even looked at this is strictly because of you. I will. Oh, I'm I will, so proud. I'm not going to pretend that my brain <laughs> took me in this direction. I was like, man, what are the corner bets look like? Cause Toby picks them all the time. That's exactly where I came from. <laughs> and I went on them all the time. 
You do. You do. And I feel good about this one. I hope I actually can have some of your corner luck this week. Um, but, but I do think this is a match where Liverpool's attacking band is, is a little bit weaker. Um, Jota's out Firmino's coming back. He's not the goal scorer that he is. Nunez is out because he headbutted people. Um, Salah hasn't been as dynamic this year. You know, Mane's gone. Uh, and then we have a Milliner Hendo midfield, which is definitely not one for creating a ton of goals. So I don't really see them completely dominating the way they're playing is like trying to Alexander get the ball in the box. And that leads to deflections balls going out of touch and corner kicks. So I love that. That's a plus number. I, I think there could be 10, 12, 14 corners in this match. And that you're getting plus for just 8.5. Like that just, I don't know. Feels too good to be true. I'm not going to hate on a corner bet, Brett. I'm never going to do it. <laughs> uh, well, actually, that's not true. I probably will at some point, but not on that one. Uh, all right, so I think you're going to like mine. Luis Diaz, anytime goal scorer at plus 130. Because I, I, and I think to a lesser extent, you you did take them minus one and a half. You have to think goals are going to be happening in this match. And you have to think they're going to have to come from somewhere. Uh, Nunez is still out for two more games. And I, if you're going to pick anybody on the front line, give me the guy with the plus sign. Firmino is minus. Salah is minus. Hell, Jota is minus. He might not even play. Uh, so give me Diaz at plus 130 as the only guy who's in the front line with great odds. That simple. Yeah, and I mean, the one thing, too, is we talk a lot about, like, XG and shot locations. And sometimes, like, in a single match, the guy that you know that's going to be just ripping shots from outside the box is still a pretty good play. And Diaz is going to probably take, like, five shots this match. And that that in a single game setting, it doesn't mean he's a, a super valuable guy when he does that, but it definitely gives you a better chance to, to score a goal. Yep. All right, let's keep it moving. Arsenal, top of the table. Good on you, guys. That is just weird. nine points, nine and nine versus Fulham, seventh at five points, Saturday at 12 30 p.m. Finally, we are into a different window. Uh, Arsenal minus 330, Fulham plus 850. The draw is plus 500. Arsenal minus a goal and a half is minus 125. Fulham is minus 105. Uh, Brett, for this, for me, this is another game that is fairly straightforward. As you know, because we text about it, I sneakily like Fulham. So it gives me no joy at all going against them here. But Jesus has completely unlocked Arsenal's attacking potential as we've been, you know, gushing about week after week after week. And right now, not even Arteta can mess it up. Uh, he looks completely fresh, and he's collapsing the center of gravity uh, over and over again with half the team, half the opposing team, seemingly just hovering around him, trying to get the ball off of his foot. So I don't think any recently promoted team, forget about Fulham, but anybody who's just come up from the championship is, can hang with them right now. Uh, and until I see a dip in their form, I'm going to continue to back them. They are the only team that came through for me for either one of us uh, last weekend. So give me Arsenal again, minus a goal and a half, so I can keep taking you out in the five-point pickoff. <laughs> you had to sneak that little ending thing in, didn't you? Well, you know what, man? Just because of that, not just because of that, mostly because Marco Silva is the best Everton manager in the history. Um, I'm riding with Paul. I think they competition. Are, yeah, well, I mean, come on, man. David Moyes is also an icon. Everton, Everton managers since then, not so yeah. good. Um, yeah, as, but, as as I heard Joel Solomon say on the network this week, that's like a beauty contest in Oswego. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, I'll have to steal that one for Everton managers. Um, but the one thing about about Arsenal that I will say is, you talk about like teams that don't impress you when you beat them. You know, they played Palace really even. First twenty minutes, great. Last seventy, not so good. Deflected goal, win by two. But then they beat Leicester, and then they beat Bournemouth. We do not think very highly of either of those two teams. So there might be a little bit of, you know, a mirage going on with the strength of Arsenal right now. Um, and I think Fulham's legit. Like I, I just, uh, Marco Silva, clearly he has a system. He gets guys that fit his system. Mitrovic is a shot machine. He scored almost uh, like 45 goals in the championship last year. And this year he is averaging almost four and a half shots a match. Uh, that'll come up in just a second. But, you know, Fulham at plus one and a half is minus 105. And it's the same deal. It's a little bit of win equity makes me feel a lot better about taking the spread. This Fulham team is good enough to beat Arsenal. I don't think Arsenal is quite as strong as the results are telling us. I think they're good. I think they're going to have to battle Europa. But I I don't think they're – this is not the Invincibles coming back, basically, is what I'm getting at. So I like Fulham. Um, I, I like Fulham to hang in this game. I think Mitrovic's physicality is going to give a lot of teams trouble. Um, and you know, with that in mind, for three plus shots, Mitrovic is only minus one ten. And this is not going to be like Fulham getting suffocated by City. Arsenal have been really good at controlling games, but Fulham is still going to get shots. And Silva still likes to press. And Silva's still looking for turnovers in the middle of the pitch or in the opponent's defensive third. So Mitrovic will get his, and I even though it's not great pricing, he is their focal point. He is their guy, and he takes penalties, so you could even get a cheap shot a shot off just if they draw a penalty. So I yeah. really like that. I'm really liking Fulham, and I just think in general, one of the things that we are going to see is this this league this year is so much deeper and so much more well rounded than last year, and we can talk about that at length at another time. But I think we are going to start seeing some more random results this year because we've lost a bunch of teams that were doormats and replaced them with a bunch of teams that got way better and a bunch of promoted teams that are either buying new players or have really, really strong cores coming up. Yeah. Well, if you want a really quick preview of our futures uh, discussion that's likely going to happen next week after the transfer window closes, uh, if you want to get a head start, look at how Arsenal's reshaping the odds of the teams around them. I mean, they're off to this hot start. They got n- nine points in, uh, out of nine, and the odds are starting to shift. I mean, Liverpool is falling farther off the pace, and, and Spurs aren't uh, quite the same value they were before the season, and Arsenal's climbing up. But Arsenal does not have depth. And Arsenal is one or two injuries away from being even worse than they were last year. And they're in Europa for a reason. So when we have that discussion next week, uh, as a preview, I will be talking about how how other teams can benefit from Arsenal's hot start. And you can get better value on them to uh, finish at the grinding out 38 games and forget the first three. Uh, But for this one, Arsenal to win and over 2.5 goals total in the game is minus 135. Uh, I guess I kind of like this as a potential hedge for a two-one scoreline for my my earlier prediction on Arsenal, and it's a chance to win both bets if Arsenal wins three-zero or more. Um, I'm sure if I really crunched the numbers, I'd call myself a dumbass. But in full transparency, this is the last thing I looked at five minutes before we taped, so I'm just going with it. 
I probably wouldn't take it if I were you. Hear that, MIT? That's his work ethic for you. You got it. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't take both bets. Pick among them. Pick between them. Don't take both. Uh, all right. Final game. Nottingham Forest, 10th at four points versus Tottenham, 4th at seven points. Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Tottenham minus 220. Forest is plus 600. The draw is plus 370. Spurs minus a goal and a half is plus 125. Forest is minus 170. If you really want to go after it, Spurs minus two and a half is plus 320. So Forest has gone absolutely insane buying players since being promoted, <laughs> which you have to love to wild. see. Wild. They, they they really don't want to be a yo-yo club and are backing their desires with some serious investment. They have more or less replaced the entire squad. It like really is. It's like 14 guys, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think they're are they up to 17? I mean, like, it's like Keith Richards replacing all of his blood. It's basically what we're watching them do right now. Uh, Oh, my God. Can our graphic be like just like a guy in a Nottingham shirt with like a blood boy next to him? (laughs) As a result of like this investment, I'm rooting for them to stay up. I hope other teams do this. I hope every team that gets promoted buys 17 new guys and fights for their life. Like it'll make for more entertaining football week in, week out. Um, However, while I'm hoping for them to stay up, they're going down to the Spurs this week. I. I thought Spurs deserved to win by more than one last week. More black magic from the Wolves. Uh, they hit the bar twice off beautiful, cool, safety created actions, either of which would have won me my assist bet. Not that I'm bitter. Uh, Harry Kane came through for them once again, as usual. But and, uh, besides their front three, I'm most struck by the improvement in quality of their play from width, which we always talk about as a critical part of Conte's system. Uh, the service has been excellent. It's been coming from a lot of different sources. Obviously, when Parasic plays, I'm I'm in the bag for him and what I've seen so far this year, despite his advanced age. Uh, I think Forrest has bought a lot of quantity. I'm not sure they bought the quality, especially necessary to deal with the quality that Spurs are putting so, out right such now. Such a Jesse Lingard hater. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a lot of company. Um, so in the end, <laughs> give me the Spurs minus a goal and a half at plus 125. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm right there with you, man. Uh, Spurs have just been super solid. I, I I love it. You know, good thing we're in America with podcasts. I'm going to immediately contradict myself, and no one will notice. But I just talked about how the league is deeper. There aren't no any more doormats. Forest might be a doormat. Um, I'm not sure. It's just it's obviously up in the air when you basically turn over your entire roster from the championship. It's like projecting an entirely new team that just got dropped into the Premier League. Um, yeah. So well, I'm not funny. sure. It's, it's, it's really funny if you think they're still going to get relegated after that because that would be like Keith Richards using Axel Rose as his blood boy. <laughs> My God. <laughs> oh, this analogy is just going. <laughs> it's going deep right now. Um, <laughs> I love it, but it's going deep. Yeah, I mean, it really it's it's going to be interesting. It's it really is like in the in the a, kind of a serious note. Um, this is kind of like the interesting part of where the Premier League is now as a financial giant, right? Like you either are going to be the Norwich who spent nothing because they didn't want to risk too much having you know, too much financial investment dropping back down with the huge gap in money between the championship and the premier league, even though there are parachute payments. So they spend no one. They spent an entire year just getting railroaded, having no chance of being anybody being one of the worst premier league teams in recent memory. And then, or you can do what Forrest is doing and you can spend a shit ton of money 
possibly put yourself in serious financial trouble a year from now, but at least hopefully buy yourself a chance to stay up and compete with teams that have had this revenue coming in for three, four, five years now. So it's really, Forrest is really going to be an interesting experiment. And it worked out for Aston Villa when they did it like two or three years ago, whenever they last came up, you know, they spent a shit ton and they finished right on the doorstep at 17th. And that has kept them up and it keeps them in Premier League money. But man, if they would have cratered down, we might be talking about how Aston Villa is just basically selling like false shares of stock like the Packers and try to stay afloat. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I like Spurs, though, in this match. I, I haven't seen anything from Forrest that tells me all this money has made them super competitive. I am not taking close matches against Everton as any sign of achievement um, by any club. So I'm taking Spurs with the spread. Harry Kane has been awesome. And there's a very lovely line that I found here. Spurs to win and Kane to score is plus 175. I love this Ooh, line. I love okay. this line, Toby. Uh, it's And Kane has come through for me. He broke that ridiculous fucking cold spell I had before. So I'm kind of kind of my boy to turn things around for me. I think he's going to have a shot fest against Forrest. Um, and I think Spurs are going to win. So it seems like a pretty good marriage. Yeah, I have no idea if you can uh, find this anywhere because I didn't look, but I, I would try to marry um, the lines up even higher. I would If you want Kane to score, I'd take Kane and Spurs to win by a goal and a half, and you'd probably get from plus 170 up into closer to the plus 300 range. So uh, with same I, I don't game have the balls. I don't have the balls you do. I don't have the balls you do, Toby. I will say it right here. Remember, I'm the beta. We already, we already showed this. <laughs> I'm clearly the beta. You are the alpha. It's it's hard to know with same game parlays what they will and will not take nowadays. But if somebody would take that, I would I would do it that way. In my my alpha opinion, uh, I cannot let you have all the fun. We cannot go an hour on a covering glory podcast, and there be only a Brett Coromina's corner bet. So give it to me, baby. Oh, here it over is. 10 here point, it is. Over ten point five quarters has a plus in front of it, even if it's only plus a hundred. It's it's an even bet, given the quality of the service from width. And from the corners and other set pieces that the Spurs are pumping in right now, defenders are desperate to deal with it and to fight to put it over the line. Same for goalies dealing with difficult shots coming from all angles. The Spurs right now are corner generating machines. So I am super happy that I don't actually have to pay a VIG on this. I'm getting it at even. I'm getting it at plus 100 next to this bet. I am going to continue to take it for the Spurs. This is the exact opposite of how I felt about Arsenal last year and tell the Osmond adjust the odds and force me no longer to see it. They are <laughs> amazing right now. I love watching the quarters they're generating. Yeah. And uh, I mean, again, this is going to be one thing too, where forests have had shown no ability to control a game and stay out of their own third. Always a great recipe for tons of corners. Uh, thank you for throwing fuel in my fire. It's going to explain why it's my first pick in the five pint we're about to do. Uh, so do it. time for the five pint pickoff. Really, really ugly last week. Gave out 10 picks. Only one of them hit. That was my arsenal. City and Chelsea lets you down. Uh, So I fully expect you to learn nothing whatsoever and load up on City and Chelsea again. I'm predicting that's coming. Uh, We're going into the last week of our You're half right. (laughs) We're going into the last week of our August contest. I'm up a little over five pints. So you've got to catch up or I'm drinking for free again. Uh, and as I mentioned, spoiled it already, the lead bet, bag it right off the top, one pint, Spurs Forest over 10.5 uh, quarters plus 100. 
Love that bet this week. Also give me Spurs minus the goal and a half at plus 125. Arsenal to win and over 2.5 at minus 135. The money line up to the 30th minute for Manchester City, minus 105. So uh, I can turn that one off in minute 31 and focus on my Blues embarrassing themselves again. And then Luis Diaz, (laughs) anytime goal scorer, plus 130. That's what I got this week. How about you, Brett? All right. Well, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with my boy Marcus Rashford here. Four or more shots, plus 110 for one pint. Need need Southampton to just, you know, be Southampton and be bad. Uh Liverpool over eight and a half corners plus 105. That one's got two on it, man. I want I really wanted to go all like four, but I needed to diversify because put all my eggs in two baskets that didn't go too well last week. Um <laughs> Then I got Harry Kane to score, Spurs to win at plus 175 for one. And God, I'm going back to the well. Mendy, remember that your goal is on the other side of the pitch and just kick the ball that way. Uh, Chelsea, clean sheet win against a Leicester team that has created absolute jack shit all season. Plus 120. One pint. I would say good team to do a good thing, but I don't know, Toby. Is it a good team doing a good thing at this point? Are they a good team? We don't know yet. Wait till after the transfer window closes, I'll tell you. When they Uh, get Harry Maguire, I'll feel more confident saying they're a good team. You won't be saying it to me because I'm going (laughs) to be disappeared off the earth. I'm going off the grid. They sign Harry Maguire. Just mark my words right now. This show Uh, is We need need meatballs and his hot hammer takes on here anyway. He can have my spot all day long. Uh, I'm going, I'm going so far off the grid. They signed Harry Maguire. I can't even tell you. I'm going, I'm going so far off the grid. Harry Maguire will not even be able to hunt me down to foul me. Uh, oh, oh God, you just ruined my whole show. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. So I can go cry at the thought of that dreadful bastard screwing up with my team. And hopefully the games this week are not dreadful. They're not quite full of the drama and top line, uh, matchups that we saw last week, but every week we could gamble on the Premier League. Every week we could get together and talk about it. Every week that we could share our silly thoughts with you is a good week, regardless. So settle in for match week four, play some bets, have some fun. We'll see you next week. Take care, y'all.